You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. have your Bibles, you can open them to Psalm 91. We've been in this passage for a very long time. Little Kendall asked me tonight if if she could read some verses, and I want to read this in first person. So I'm going to have Kate and Kendall remind me, girls. I'll have you read a little bit next week. Um, But I want to read this to you first person. This is how we've been in this for, for several months now. You're beginning to know this passage, and I want you to start using it in your life. I will often pray scripture in the first person. Uh, It it just somehow, if I put my name in there or I make it about me, it becomes a promise inside of me that I can cling to. And and so I want to read this passage tonight in first person. Because I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, I shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover me with his feathers and under his wing I shall take refuge. His truth will be my shield and my buckler. I will not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day nor of the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Only with my eyes shall I look and see the reward of the wicked. Because I have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, my dwelling place, no evil shall befall me nor shall any plague come near my dwelling. For he will give his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. In their hands they shall bear me up, lest I dash my foot against a stone. I will tread. I will tread. Somebody say, I'm going to tread. I will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. I will trample underfoot. Because... I have set my love upon him. He will deliver me. He will set me on high because I have known his name. I will call upon him and he will answer me. He will be with me in trouble. He will deliver me and honor me. With long life he will satisfy me and show me his salvation just love that passage. And I do that with scripture. I would encourage you. One of my favorite ones to do it with is in Ephesians. We're going to talk about that scripture tonight. But but it is the scripture that says, let the eyes of my heart be enlightened to the hope to which I'm called. I pray that first person. I'd encourage you to start taking those scriptures and claiming them for yourself. Tonight, as we've looked at this passage in Psalm 91 for some time, I want to focus on verse 13 tonight. 
you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. But first, would you just pray with me? Father, I just thank you. I thank you that you're with me like a mighty warrior. I thank you that you won't leave me or forsake me or relax your hold on me. And you know, Father, that this is a message that's just new to me and I'm still processing it in my mind. But I thank you, Lord, that you're going to help me to clearly and effectively minister your word tonight. I pray, Father, that when I open my mouth, that words would be given to me and that I would declare them as fearlessly as I ought. Father, I pray and I ask that as your word goes forth tonight, that that spirit of wisdom and revelation would be given to every person here, that they would have aha moments. Lord, as we prayed tonight, I pray that your Holy Spirit, who you say is our teacher, would just teach and instruct as this word goes forth tonight. And Lord, that every man and woman in this place would leave with a nugget of truth that will radically transform their life. Your word says that our, that we are, our minds are renewed, that, that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I pray, Lord God, that as your, your word goes forth tonight, that you would transform us and renew our minds in the truth of who we are in you. Now, Father... I pray that you would seal my lips to anything that's not from you and that you and you alone would speak your word forth in this place tonight, that I would say only what you tell me to say and that you would be greatly glorified in this place, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. As we've been studying this Psalm 91, we get the picture of safety that we have when we choose to make God our refuge. It's living and abiding in him, and it's a great place of protection and safety. Now, now this, this psalm, as we have talked about many times before, is a conditional psalm. The promises that God gives us in this passage are conditional. The condition is that we abide in him, that we dwell in him, that we live in him. Who knows that there's something different between visiting, saying, hey God, how are you doing, and finding our home in him. We need to live, abide, and dwell. I've been asking the Lord to make me conscious of living and abiding in Him. That any time I get out of His presence, any time that, that, I, that, that I start going my own way, that He would just give me that prick in my spirit. We need to be intentional about staying in His presence. We need to be intentional about our intimacy with Him. You see, some of you want intimacy with Him, but you're just waiting for Him to give you the desire for that, or you're waiting for Him to come close to you. He is already close to you. You have got to make the decision to pursue Him. To pursue Him. But I want you to look. He says that when you make me your dwelling place, when you abide in me and you live with me in me, you will tread against the lion and the, the cobra. The young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. I want you to look at those words that he uses there. Lion, cobra, young lion, and serpent. I, I wish that I had time to get into all those words in the manner that I want to. I would encourage you to study them this week. There's good stuff in there. Where, where is Pam? Pam, uh, Pam the, the, the Liveathon that you and I talked about, 
It's the serpent. Look at that and do some study there. It's fascinating to me. But, but we're just going to briefly touch on those names tonight. That, that word cobra there, it really is asp. Uh, I think it was Cleopatra that, that chose to die by the bite of an asp or the, 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 the um, striking of an asp. And, and it's because it was one of the most venomous snakes. And, and when an asp bit you, you can be sure that you're going to die. But here's the way that you would die. You just go to sleep. And it was a painless death. So you just fall asleep, and it would be you die in your sleep. And when I read that, I thought to myself, isn't that what the enemy of our soul is doing today in churches? That he is luring God's people to sleep. That he is biting them, he is striking them with his venom whether that be religion, whether that be offense, whether that be mediocrity, boredom whatever it is, and he has lured us to sleep, and we don't even realize we're dying in our sleep. It is time, church, that we wake up, that we wake up. He says, the cobra, I want you to think about a snake or, or a serpent, a cobra, for example, that, that these are going to be pictures of what the enemy does in our life. Cobras are hidden usually, and they stay hidden until they slither into our life, and they strike a deadly bow. Uh, a deadly, uh, deadly blow. What slithers into your life unexpectedly? What is hidden in your life that all of a sudden one day just strikes you and you're left for dead? Maybe it's divorce. Maybe it's the death of a loved one that was unexpected. What has unexpectedly given you a death blow? Can I tell you, you can trample it underfoot. You don't have to lay down and die. You see, some of you are miserable because your husband has left you or your wife has left you, and you think that you are never going to get back on your feet. Can I just tell you, trample that thing underfoot. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives within you. Put yourself into him until you have everything he wants to give you. There is power in his presence. There's not power in your woe is me, pity me, my life stinks. Can I tell you how bad it is? The power comes when we get ourselves in his presence and we seek him with everything we have. I'm telling you, I'm going through something right now that I'm like, Lord, if you're not everything you say you are, I'm sunk. And I am going to seek you and I'm going to seek your word and I'm going to seek your promises and I'm going to stand on them, Lord. I am not going to agree with the enemy. I'm going to agree with you. I'm not going to get into this woe is me. Look how bad my life is. I'm going to choose life. I've set before you life and death. He says, choose. Oh, how we choose death by default. Choose life. What's the cobra that has slithered into your life and st struck you with a deadly blow? He says, a lion. Lions are things that pounce on us. They hit us out of nowhere. Maybe it's a sudden illness. Maybe it's the sudden loss of a job, and it's pounced on you, and you weren't expecting it. The young lion, he says, I was asking the Lord all week, what's the difference between a young lion and an adult lion? I Googled it. I was going on all these African sites. I, I wanted to know what was the difference between a young lion and an adult lion. Why does he separate the two in this passage? And I couldn't find anything. And, and here's what I've come up with. The only difference is that a young lion will grow into a big one. It's a little one that grows into a big one. Oh, I, I love 
I think it's in the Song of Solomon. Don't quote me there. I think it's the Song of Solomon where he says, catch for us the little foxes that want to spoil the vine. And he's talking about the little things in life, the little sins, the little stuff we let in our marriages. He says, the little lions, oh, little lions grow into big lions. And what is that little sin that you're entertaining and you think is all right? Can I tell you, it's going to grow into a big one. That little compromise that you've allowed in your life, it's a setup by the enemy of your soul to bring you down. That little lion will grow into a big one. You need to trample it underfoot. You need to tread on it. And he says, you can do that when you get into my presence. The power to do that is there. He says, the serpent. I, I was looking up that word serpent, and it really means dragon. And, and, and I thought, well, what is a dragon? Because, you know, it, it's just fiction, isn't it? It's, it's make-believe. It's fantasy. And, and I got to thinking that maybe the dragons in our life are the things that we have, you know, our imagination has gone wild over. Oh, women, well, let me just talk to you for a second. We are masters at this, aren't we? We can invent stuff. We can take some liberty with it. We can blow it out of proportion. Men, I'm sure you can too, but I, I just am, I'm talking from a woman's perspective here. We can do it, can't we? We can let our imagination run wild. Well, she said this, she must have meant this, and he looked at me that way, and really he must have implied this, and, and we can start just building and building and building, and our imagination can go wild. Fear does that to us, doesn't it? Fear is really false evidence appearing real. I heard Joyce Meyer say that one time, and I love it. Fear, false evidence appearing real. He has not given you a spirit of fear. You, you don't have that. You've got a spirit of power. Fear is a spirit by the enemy, from the enemy of our soul. I believe that. And what he does is he deposits that fear in our mind and our imagination begins to go and, and blow that fear out of proportion and it begins to paralyze us. Oh, it is a serpent. It is a dragon. It's make-believe. It's not even real, but we can sure believe it. What are the serpents in your life? The Word of God says that you have been given power to trample on it in the name of Jesus. You say, Maria, what is that power that I have to trample on it? That's the enemy of our soul, I, and he's powerful. Oh, can I just tell you, he's not nearly as powerful as you are. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. I want to talk to you for a moment. I read a quote from Spurgeon this week, and he says that this, this verse, what, what the author is saying is that we tread on these things because we have dominion over them. And so I began to wonder about the word dominion and, and where did we really get that dominion. And I want to just take you on a trip through the word here. If you have your Bibles, it's, uh, for those of you that are new here, bring your Bibles. I, I'm going to point you to this word. I, I will just tell you, beware of a preacher that's preaching fine-sounding words. You want to hear from the word of God. If you're not opening this word on Monday night, don't come back here. These are words of spirit and life. This is where we get life. My words have nothing for you, but his words are filled with life. It's a life-giving power. I want you to turn to Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible, Genesis 1, verse 26. Turn with me there, Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, and he's talking about Adam and Eve, he says, let us make man in our image, you and I in his image. Do you know that you and I have been made in his image? 
He said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And this is what I want you to see. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth. Dominion over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. He says, I'm giving you dominion. I've created you, and I have dominion. I have authority over everything. Who knows that God is the authority? And, and he's the authority over heaven and earth. But, but he said to Adam and Eve, yes, I have authority, but I am gonna, I'm going to delegate that to you. I'm going to give that to you here on earth. You can have dominion in this earth. Just stand to my authority. Do you know that a policeman has authority, but there's a higher authority over him. And you and I have been given authority, but dear one, can I just tell you, there's a higher authority over us that we answer to, and his name is Jesus. And he says, I'm going to give you dominion. And so Adam and Eve were given dominion. They were given the right to rule. They were given power and authority from God. Oh, can you imagine how cool that must have been? But, but what does Adam and Eve do? They go and they listen. Hear me say this. They listen to the voice of who? The serpent, the enemy. And they don't just say, you know what? I've got dominion over you, you slithery little creature. I don't have to listen to you. I have been, I have been given to, uh, dominion over every creeping thing. I got dominion over you. Shut up. But they don't do that. They go in and just listen to his lies. Who knows? that the enemy of our soul is the father of lies. He li he, he, lies are his native language. Oh, precious one, can I just tell you, if the voice that you're listening to is telling you you're worthless, if the voice that you're listening to tells you to hurt yourself, if the voice that you're listening to tells you that you are no good, if the voice that you're listening to tells you that you'll never amount to anything, trust me that that is not the voice of God. It's the voice of the enemy, the father of lies. And you need to say, listen, I got some dominion over you, and I am not listening to you. Get behind me. But you see, we don't do that. We do what Adam and Eve do. We listen to that voice of the enemy. And he tells us, you're not pretty enough, or, or you're not successful enough, or you'll never amount to anything, or your husband doesn't love you, go someplace else. Or he tells us that, that you're not good enough, or nobody ever loved you, everybody's going to reject you. And he whispers those lies. And we begin to listen to them. And we begin to meditate on them. You know, see, Adam and Eve just listened, and, and they entertained his words in their mind. I, I just wonder why they didn't say, shut up. We listen to the voice of God. But they listened to him. And you know what happened? They gave their dominion over to him. They let his words rule them instead of their rule, words rule him. Do you see the difference? And so they relinquished dominion to Satan. What does the word say that, the, that, that the, this world is? It's his world, isn't it? He has dominion. Thank you, Adam. But what does the Bible say? That Christ on the cross of Calvary defeated hell, death, and the grave. Do you know why he came to do that? He, he came, uh, the first Adam made a mistake. The second Adam made it right. The first Adam relinquished dominion. The second Adam on the cross of Calvary took it back. And he came to take back dominion. 
I love the scripture. I think it's in, it's in Colossians 1, 13. It says, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed into us into the kingdom of the son of his love. I want you to think about that. Turn over to Colossians 1, 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Satan had dominion because of Adam. Adam relinquished that to him. And you and I are now, uh, we are now uh, slaves to sin when we come into this world, are we not? But God brought, it, brought us back. He brought us back on the cross of Calvary. He overcame hell, death, and the grave. And when we know him as our Lord and Savior, we have been delivered from the dominion of darkness, the power of darkness, into the kingdom of God. The Bible says that we are seated in the heavenlies with him. I want you to turn over. I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but I don't want you to, to miss the point here. Turn over to Ephesians 1. General Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians chapter 1. Here's the scripture that I was telling you about that I love to do in first person. I pray that the God is verse 17 of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Oh, Lord, we want a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him better, that the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your heart being enlightened, that you may know the hope. That word hope is, is the, the expectation of good. Do, do you know that God wants you to hope in him, that he has good for you, and he wants you to expect it? Those who hope in the Lord, the word of God says, will not be disappointed. You see, some of you are hoping in the enemy, hoping that, that you just are, are living, hoping that what he says doesn't come true. Can I just tell you, can we start meditating on what God says? Those who hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. And his hope is the confident expectation of good. That you may know the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding, oh, somebody say exceeding. What is the exceeding greatness of his power? Do you know that his power is exceeding, it's exceeding greatness? Do you understand that? His power in you. There is no other greater power. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead, and it's living in you. It's living in you. And the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Here's what I want you to see. He seated him at his right hand, far above, oh, look at that word, far above all principality, all power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. He put everything under his feet. Oh, can I tell you that we have a God seated in the heavenlies and everything is under his feet. He is high above, far above every principality, every power, anything that comes against you, every pain, every heartache, every burden that you're carrying. Can I just tell you that my Jesus is far above it. He is far above it. It's under his feet. And the Bible says a little bit further down in Ephesians chapter 2, he says that you and I are seated in the heavenlies with him. So what does that mean if we're seated right beside him and everything's under his feet? Somebody tell me what that means. It's under our feet as well. You will trample on snakes and scorpions. The young lion and the old one are under your feet. 
And yet we, we like grovel and, and we pull away in fear of the enemy and what you think he can do in your life. He is a defeated foe. He has no power. He has no power except what you give him. You have the power. Jesus said before he was taken up in heaven, he said, all authority has been given to me, therefore go make disciples. In other words, he's saying, all authority has been given, it, given to me and I'm giving it to you. One of my favorite verses in, is in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. He said, all authority has been given to me. Turn over and look at that. I want that in front of your eyes. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. All authority has been given to me, to you. To do what? Trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. And nothing can in any way harm you. You see, get that in your spirit. Some of you need to memorize that. You need to say when you are facing a bitter battle with the enemy, you need to say, listen, can I just tell you, all authority has been given to me to overcome all the power of, your, of the enemy, all of your power, to trample on snakes and scorpions. And nothing can in any way harm me. You see, we have got to start saying what God says instead of being like Adam and Eve and listening to the voice of the deceiver, of the liar, of the accuser of the brethren. What does God say? I don't have to listen to that. All authority has been given to me to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Some of your Bibles will say power both places there. All power has been given to me to overcome all the power of the enemy. Really, that first power is authority. The second power is ability. I love it. Read it with me again. All authority has been given to me to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the ability of the enemy. <laughs> we have authority. He has ability. <laughs> ability. Not authority. Ability. And, and we've been given the authority to overcome his ability. You say, well, Rhea, what does his ability look like? What is that? If he's the defeated foe that you say he's in, he is, what is his ability to get at me? Well, let's look at that. To overcome all the ability of the who? The enemy. Get this. If you miss everything else I say tonight, don't miss this one. He gives us a clue in what he calls the devil there. He calls him the enemy. If you look up that word in the, in the Greek, in the original language, do you know what it means? One who opposes God in the mind. <laughs> if I'm lying, I'm dying. That's what it says. One who opposes God in the mind. Where is the battlefield? Where does he try to get us? Right here in the mind. And we need to stop listening to the lies that he speaks into our mind and whispers into life because that's his only ability. Look at the names that he has been given. The father of lies, the accuser of the brethren. One of my favorite is Diabolos. It means one who comes alongside to throw. What's he throwing? Accusations, lies. And it means he throws until it penetrates. In other words, he's going to keep coming at you with his lies. And he's going to keep whispering them over and over and over until he finds one that will penetrate and sink in. Do you know that words are a seed? If you look up the word, um, unless, can you get me a drink? 
if you look up the word, uh, you know, my words are spirit and life. If you look up the word when, when Jesus talks about it, it's really the word that we use for sperm. And it's a picture of, of something, of the sperm coming into the egg and conceiving. And then something giving birth from it, implanting. And it's a picture of a seed planting in the ground and then a harvest coming from it, okay? So he's saying, if you use my word like that and you plant it in you, it will bring a harvest. It's a seed. So words are a seed. That's why scripture says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Do you know that your tongue can speak life or death? You can speak it into a child. You can speak death into a child. Do you know that? Your words hold the power of death and life. We have got to watch what kind of words we're speaking because they have the power, their seed, to bring life or death. Thank you, darling. Their seed. So if God's word is seed, what does that mean the enemy says? Seed. What's his ability? To come and whisper his lies, his accusations, his deception, and to throw them over and over and over into our mind until they take root to that seed of his word takes root. And then we speak it forth and there's a harvest. He whispers, you're, you're never going to amount to anything. And we repeat, the word confess means to say the same thing as, we confess with our mouth, I'm never going to amount to anything. Whose word did we just let have seed in our life? The enemy's. Are you following me? But now, if, if, if the enemy comes and says, you're never going to amount to anything, and we say, my God says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I am a lender and not a borrower. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And we start confessing what God says. Now that seed goes out. And his seed gets planted in us, and it becomes truth. That's what the word amen is. It means truth. So I love when I teach. I love when people say amen out loud. Because that means so be it. Truth. She's speaking truth. I agree. So when we start, that's why I push you to confess God's word. That's why we'll often have the word of God up here, and I make you repeat it after me. Tonight, I had the team, when we finished praying, we just started confessing. Team, did we not? We just started confessing the word of God. I just had them fire off one scripture after another because we were putting that word out in the atmosphere because I know that it's seed, and it's going to conceive, and it's going to give birth to something good here tonight. And that's what we've got to start doing in our life. You can say, well, Rhea, I don't know the word. Then get you some memory cards. Family Christian Bookstore has those little promise cards. You can get a book of the promises of God and just start confessing them. The more you confess them, the more they'll get deep down in you and you'll get to know them. The word says that faith, what's another word for faith, somebody? Belief. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing the the seed of God, the word of God. Are you with me? Belief comes from hearing. So if you're listening to the voice of the enemy, belief will come from that because it's coming from hearing. And hearing the word of God. Here's what I believe that means. I believe that, that, that when we speak his word forth, we hear ourselves speaking it. It gets deposited deep down in us. 
There's just something about speaking his word that it, that it just gets deposited. Leslie said to me not long ago, she said, I'm starting to pray like you pray. And it's because when she prays with me, we pray the word. And that's getting deposited in her. Now she can pull from that word. Do you see it? That seed went inside of her. She got it. She's speaking it forward now. And it's seed going out to other people. But now if we're listening to the wrong voice, because the Bible says that my sheep hear my voice and they will not answer to another. If we're listening to the wrong voice and we're allowing his lies to get implanted within us, your tongue has the power of life and death. Now when we confess his lies, what comes? Not life, death. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. The enemy's words are death. And our tongue now has the power of life and death. We have got to watch, church, what we're confessing. Leslie will tell you, we will often say to each other, don't confess that. Don't let that off your lips because confession is coming into agreement. And I will not come into agreement with the enemy. When I, when I was going through all this with my surgery, I made up my mind. I would not come into agreement with the enemy. I didn't care what the doctor's report said. I didn't care what the hospital was telling me. I had the word of God in me, and I was going to confess that. I wasn't going to confess what the enemy said. I wasn't going to confess what the world said. And we have got to start doing that. You see, his words are spirit. We can't see them. They don't make sense. But when we speak them, they bring life. And we've got to make up our mind, church, which voice we're going to listen to. You see, some of you, you can be a Christian. You can be going to heaven and still live powerless. Do you know that? Dave and I were talking. We have a sofa table in our house, and I have two lamps sitting on it. And, and I said, Davey, those lamps, if they're unplugged from the power source, they, they still look like a lamp. They still, they still, you know, take up space like a lamp. They're still called a lamp. But unless they're plugged into that power source, they are powerless. And you see, so many of us are living like that as Christians. We're called a Christian. We look like a Christian. We go to church like a Christian. We're in the right places like a Christian. But really, we're powerless. And let me just suggest to you tonight that the reason we're powerless, because what does the word say? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. All authority, all power has been given to you. The reason we're powerless is that, you know, we say to God, I want more, I want more, I want more. And he's saying, I want more. I want you to come into agreement with me. I want you to start saying what I'm saying. I want you to stop having your pity party and coming to me and tell me how bad your life is. I want you to stop confessing how rotten your life is and how much you've been ripped off and how you wish you had a better life and how you wish you had more money and how you wish you had better kids and how you wish you had a better husband and how you wish you had a prettier wife. And you need to stop confessing that stuff and start saying what God's saying Put it out in the atmosphere and watch that word conceive in your life. Last night I went to bed, and Dave can tell you this. My, my husband's here with me. He, he'll tell you. Last night I went to bed. I had some things on my mind. I was worried about it, and, and we were talking about it. And, and, and I, I laid my head down, and I began to confess the word. The lights were off. Our head was on the pillow. Covers were pulled up. We were going to sleep, and I began to say, no weapon formed against me or my family will prosper. That's my inheritance in you, Lord. 
I thank you, Lord, that I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I thank you that you have good plans for me and they're to prosper me and not to harm me. They're to give me a hope and a future. I said, Lord, I thank you that you are mighty to save, that your arm is not too short, that it cannot save, that you are mighty, Lord, that you are mighty, that you are God and nothing's impossible for you. And I just began to quote scripture. And I would hear Dave every once in a while say, yes, yes, yes. And before I knew it, we were falling asleep with yes, yes. Dave's arm were twitching. He was going to sleep. And we were yes, yes, yes. And the last thing I remember saying is I said, Lord, I thank you that you give your beloved sleep. And bam, Dave, am I exaggerating? That poor man, can you just imagine what he lives with? I, <laughs> when he was coming into agreement with me, he was saying, yeah, uh-huh, <laughs> so be it. You see, I was not about to come into agreement with the enemy. He wanted me to. He wanted to rob me of sleep last night by whispering his lies in my head. And I have dominion, and I was going to take it back. I have rule. You know what? I rule this land. I rule this house, Lord. I rule it. Lord, all authority has been given to me, and I am not listening to, to someone who's, who's, who's a slithering snake, and he only has lies and accusations and deception and whispers. He only has ability. I've got to. Our words create. The Bible says that in the beginning there was darkness. And the Spirit of God hovered over that darkness. And God said, let there be. It wasn't there. It was, didn't even look like the possibility was to be there. But God said, let there be light. And there was. And light came out of nothing, out of darkness. And when we begin to confess and speak, our words will create and the darkness that the enemy wants to bring in our life, we will create with our words. That's why we've got to be careful what words are coming out of our mouth. We've got to be careful what words we're listening to. I asked Leslie to bring a ball tonight because I want to just tell you what we need to do. I, I say to little Kendall all the time, we can't stop the thoughts coming through our mind. We can't, we can't stop those whispers. But, but just because a thought comes through our mind doesn't mean it's truth. You can't stop the birds from flying overhead, but you can certainly keep them from building a nest in your hair. And the, the way we let the enemy build a nest in our hair is to come into agreement and listen to him. I want him shut up. And the Bible says that when, when, when we have a thought, we need to take it captive to the obedience of Christ. We need to say, is this thought right now in agreement with God's word? Is this something God would say about me? Is this something that the word says about me? If it's not, I need to reach up there and take it captive to the obedience of Christ. And the word says, and throw it down. I said to Leslie, the, 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 the word diabolos means to throw. And the enemy is throwing his words at us. And we have got to be able to, when he throws, take it captive. Grab a hold of it and throw the thing down. That's what we have to do. That, that, have that visual in your mind this week. Is this something that he's throwing at me? Am I going to let it build a nest in my hair? Or am I going to throw the thing down and take it captive to the obedience of Christ? This is not the voice of the lover of my soul. And I am not going to listen to it. I'm going to replace it with the truth of God's word. 
That's why we've got to get his word inside of us. We've got to get his word inside of us. His word is spirit and life. He's given us dominion. I love uh, the psalm that says, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands and have put all things under his feet. He's given us dominion. I, I will tell you that I don't always drive the speed limit. See, some of you are judging me for that already. She's a preacher. She Sometimes my foot just gets a little heavy, and I, I don't even realize it, and, and I'm going faster than I, than I think. And, and I, on occasion, I've been pulled over. Anybody been pulled over? Now, Dave, somehow, every time he gets pulled over, they let him off. I, I don't know what it is. It must be his tender little, they give me the big ticket, but they get him off. But, but, but when I see, when I'm driving down the road, uh-huh, that's right. That's my sweet Lisa. But, but, but I am driving down the road, and when I see the flashing lights in my rearview mirror, do I say, hmm, do I want to pull over? I'm really kind of in a hurry. Do I need to obey that flashing red light behind me? You betcha I do, because I understand who has dominion. He flashes his badge at me, and I listen. I don't care if he's the most wimpy police officer in the whole wide world, one that I could just... He flashes his badge, and I'm like, got dominion over me. I'll do whatever you tell me. Give me the ticket, I'll pay it, because you got dominion, Busty. Because I understand that that little police officer, no matter how dinky and, and wimpy he might seem, he's got the force of the government behind him. Can I tell you? I got me a badge. And I might be a wimpy little Christian, <laughs> but when the enemy comes after me, I flash my badge. Because I got all of heaven behind me. All of heaven behind me. Do you understand that you do not have to listen to the voice of the accuser? See, some of you have been listening to it all your life. It's the voice you recognize the most. And ask them, Lord, let me recognize your voice above all the others. You say your sheep hear your voice. I need to hear your voice over all these other ones. I often pray, silence the lies. Leslie she gets up every morning, and she prays against the spirit, the lying spirits. She binds the lying spirits every single morning. She has over my life. My life, I was getting to a point where I was really having some victory, and I, I couldn't understand, you know, where that was all coming from unless I'd been praying that the lying spirit would be bound in your life for you, that he wouldn't be able to whisper. She prays it every single morning. See, we got to get smart. The Bible says don't be unaware of the enemy's schemes. Don't be unaware. Here's what, what I want to tell you. Authority doesn't beg. Authority just says it. That police officer doesn't, come on, please roll your window down. I'm really a nice police officer. I, I want to give you a ticket. Will you please take this ticket? He doesn't do that. Authority doesn't beg. Authority tells. 
And you see, it wasn't long ago, Les and I were with somebody, and and they were praying against a demonic influence. And and it took like hours, did they not? They just prolonged the thing. And and they were just, you know, praying all kinds of stuff. And they were really yelling, and they were were making it dramatic. And and this poor person was just sitting there. and, and, And I thought to myself, I don't see scriptural evidence for that. I see where Jesus trucked into town, saw a demoniac, and commanded it to be gone. I don't see where he says, okay, let's talk about your past. Let's talk about where, you, where this demon came in. Let's talk about where you were vulnerable. I don't see anything in that in Scripture. I see he trucked into town and he said, be gone. There was authority. Authority. And you and I have been given that same authority. He says, I'm giving you authority to cast out demons. I'm giving you authority to heal the sick, to raise the dead. <laughs> I won't try that someday. Where's Margaret, sister? Authority. You've been given authority. You see, some of you, the enemy isn't afraid of your whining. He's not afraid of your self-pity. He's not afraid of the tears that you cry in bed. He's, he's not afraid of the anger that you scream at your spouse. He, he's not afraid of, uh, you know, you know what he's afraid of? your authority, because he knows you have it. The Bible says, one of my favorite verses, I just got to give it to you, and I promise I'm going to close. Colossians 2.15, I just want you to see this. Colossians 2.15, having disarmed, oh, somebody say disarmed, having disarmed principalities and powers, those are demonic hierarchy, he made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them on the cross. He made a public spectacle of them. He disarmed the enemy. Some of you are fighting an enemy that's disarmed. Can I just tell you? Can I remind you? He's disarmed. Christ did it on the cross. The only armor he has, the only weapon he has are his lies. He's been disarmed. He made a public spectacle of them. Do you love the idea that Jesus on the cross of Calvary made a public spectacle of the enemy of our soul, of the demons that come to try to torment and haunt us? Do you love that my Jesus made a public spectacle over them? Do you know what that's a picture of? You see, in Bible times, when a king would go and defeat another king, and kill off their army, but they would take the king alive, and they would parade him through town at the end of a, of a triumph, of, at an end of a trail of, of, of marching soldiers and, and music and, and victory marches, and then would come the king in chains being drugged behind them. They'd make a public spectacle of him so that they could say, you know what, you've been worried about this king. He, he's been... He's been putting terror in your mind. You've been afraid you're going to be defeated by him. And so just so that you know he's been defeated, I'm going to drag him behind me and let you just see he's been defeated. And I'm going to make a public spectacle out of him. So if there's any doubt in your mind that he has power anymore in your life, look behind the train. That's the picture. That's what he's saying. That's what he did on the cross of Calvary. He defeated hell, death, and the grave. He defeated the enemy of your soul. You see, some of you need to start taking some authority. You need to take authority for your prodigal child. You need to take authority over your finances. You need to take authority over your job loss. You need to take authority over your sickness. You need to take authority over over your, your thinking patterns. You need to take authority over the fear in your life. 
over the thoughts that you're having, the impure thoughts that you're having. Take authority. It's been given to you. You can trample on snakes and scorpions. You can overcome all the ability of the enemy. And nothing can in no way harm you because you have made the most high your dwelling place. Because you've done that, he says, you will tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Trample, smash, destroy underfoot. You are seated in the heavenlies with Jesus. Everything is under his feet. He is seated far above all principalities, all powers, all rulers. And that's where you're seated, right beside him. Stay in that dwelling place with him. And just watch what happens. Just watch what happens. I confess his word all the time. I have some, some scripture in my Jeep right now that, that talks about my enemies and what happens to my enemies. Can I tell you, you do not want to be my enemy. Because I use the word against my enemies. I speak what God says. He says my enemies will fall before me. We have got to get smart. Don't be unaware of the enemy's schemes. Don't listen to the lie. Don't listen to the accusation. See, some of you, you did something 15 years ago. You gave him a reason to accuse you. <laughs> Christ took your reason. He took your sin. He took your shame. He took your guilt. He nailed it to the cross of Calvary. He paid the, the price for it. He took the punishment for it so that you could have peace in exchange for it. And you are still letting the enemy of your soul accuse you and keep you ineffective for Christ because of something you did 15 years ago. Use your authority. Use your authority. I want to just close with, with a story. Uh, some of you have heard me tell this story before. Oh, first I want you to look over at James 4.7. James 4.7 says, Resist the enemy and he will flee from you. And that word resist, I thought it meant stay away from, resist him. But when I looked it up in the original language, it means to set oneself against, to resist or oppose, to oppose. Resist the devil. That devil means prone to slander, one who accuses falsely. Resist him. Oppose him. Come after his ability with your authority. But look at what it says right before that. Submit yourselves to the Lord. Come under his authority. See, some of you are resisting the enemy. You're opposing him, but you're not coming under God's authority. You're not submitting to what God says. You're not obeying. You're not walking in obedience to his word. You're not submitting to his authority in your life. Don't do that. I'm going to do it anyway, and I'm going to resist the devil. And you wonder why your life is falling apart. I really have not, Leslie will tell you, I have a little bit of time, very little time, for people that come and sit in front of me and whine and whine and whine. I will listen to it one time. But when you are stuck in that place and you can't get yourself back on your feet and you continue to make the very choices that we talked about and you continue to go back into the pit, don't you dare come to me and say, Rhea, my life is so bad. Let me tell you why. You're trying to resist the enemy without submitting to God. 
what you've said to God is, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Don't expect the enemy to flee from you. T.D. Jake says it's very hard to resist an enemy you just got done sleeping with. It's very hard to, to, to hang out with the enemy for two weeks and then try to, try to rebuke him on the third week. Submit yourselves to the Lord. Here's what I'm learning. Maybe it's my old age. I don't know, but don't wait till you're my age to get this. I left a path of destruction behind me because I didn't submit to the Lord. I, I was going to church, but I really wanted to live my son Tyler says, like hell to get there. You, you know, you want to go to heaven, but you want to be able to live like hell to get there. That's not the way it works. And, and I was, I really I was going to church. I was going through the motions, but, but I really was doing whatever I wanted to do, no matter what God's word said about it. And it left a path of destruction behind me. And we have got to start taking accountability for our choices. You say, well, Rhea, I'm saved by faith and not by grace and not by works. Yes, you are. You're saved that way. But there comes a time in our life where we need to grow up in our faith and we need to say, Lord, I don't want the, the, the milk anymore. I don't want to be this infant anymore that you have to bottle feed. I want the big old hunk and steak and I want to grow up and mature in you. And I'm telling you, on Monday nights, this is not a bottle-fed Bible study. There's some meat going forth because I want to see you grow up and mature in the Lord and begin to walk in victory with the king, the enemy of your soul behind you in a triumph parade making a spectacle out of them. Here's my last story. This works. Can I, can I tell you, this absolutely works. Some of you have heard me tell this story before. Just sit through it again. But I was shopping in Pleasant Prairie with a friend. And um, we were, you know, I'm a pastor's wife, so I like to shop sales. And, and we, were, we were shopping sales, and, and we had been at the outlets, and, and we were at um, J. Crew outlet, and I found this super-duper Power Trooper sale, and I wanted it so badly. And I went into the fitting room, and I tried it on, and it worked, and it was the right price. And I went to the counter to pay for it, and I reached down. I had a purse on that had like a thin strap and then this little wallet-type purse. And I reached for my purse, and it wasn't there. Now, women... Men, if you've ever done that with your wallet, you understand like the, 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 the adrenaline that starts going through you. And so I quickly ran back into the fitting room and my, my wallet wasn't there. And, and I was like, oh man. And immediately I said, Lord, you know right where my wallet's at. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to show me right where my wallet is, that my wallet is coming back to me. And so we went out to the, the manager of the store. We said, you know, my wallet's just been, you know, I can't find it. Did somebody turn it in? Nobody turned it in. That manager never said, let's call the police. I don't know why to this day. I, I still don't understand why I didn't say, let's call the police. But, but I didn't. Instead, I went out to my car, and, and I was a little ticked because I had a $50 bill in it, all my credit cards. We, we, you know, we, we, we had uh, all, like, my credit cards were in my wallet. My, my Social Security card was in everything important. I had a bunch of receipts. It was Christmas time. I had everything I wanted to return in my trunk, and the receipts were in that wallet, and I was ticked off. Anybody ever get ticked off? I was ticked off. And I thought, oh, you know, don't steal from me. Ask me. I'll give you anything, you anything you need. Just ask me, but don't you dare steal it from me. And I was ticked off. And I got out of my car and I called Dave, and and he was he was taking the kids to uh, 
a soccer game, and, and I said, honey, could you just call the credit cards and, and just tell them that they've been stolen and stop the credit cards? And, and he said, well, I have all the credit cards except your USAA card. And I said, oh, I got that one. I had just had a car accident, so I had the USAA number, that's our insurance company, memorized. And so the credit card was at that same number. So I said, oh, no problem, I'll call USAA. So I call them. Now, my girlfriend and I had just been at a conference, so she was wearing a dress. Keep that in mind. <laughs> and so we get in my car, and I'm ticked off, and I'm on the phone with my credit card company, and I said, somebody just stole my wallet, and my credit card was in there. Can you just stop, stop that credit card? And, and she said, well, are you using that card right now? I said, I just told you that somebody stole it from me. And she said, well, it's being used right now in, in um, Tommy Helfiger. And I looked over at my girlfriend, and I said, where is Tommy Helfiger? And she said, well, it's in the next section over. I slammed my car in reverse, and I pulled out, and I gunned it, and, and I was going to go right over to Tommy Helfiger and find me a thief. And, and this little old man pulls out in front of me, and he's going like two miles an hour. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe you're going this slow. And I'm trying to get around him, and he won't let me around him. And, and I hear this lady on the phone say, oh, Perfume Mania, $389. And I'm like, I can't believe they're doing this. They're going from store to store ringing up my credit card. I'm ticked. And so I get out from under this man, and I, I gun it, and I'm going around the corner. And just as I go around the corner, I hear her say, um, Oshkosh by gosh. And it was this incredible amount of money. And I'm thinking, wait a second. You are buying clothing for your children, for your babies, on a stolen credit card. I was so ticked off. And so just as we passed Oshkosh by gosh, my girlfriend said, there they are. And, and, and I didn't even, you know, sometimes I'm a little impulsive. I know that you find that surprising, but I, I didn't even think, what if that's not them? <laughs> and and I, I don't even remember putting my car in park in the middle of the road, and, and I still have my insurance company on the phone, and I jump out of the car, and, and if I'm lying, I'm dying. This man was like seven foot tall, and his wife was literally a bitty teeny thing, and that's why my friend Denise knew it was them, because she had seen them in J. Crew. And I have no idea what came upon me, but I said, now, there are a lot of people in that shopping center, and, and I looked at this man, and I said, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I command you to give me back my wallet. I'm still on the phone with my credit card company. Now, they've now put me on speakerphone, and I'm not, if I could exaggerate this story, I would, but I'm not exaggerating one iota of it. And I have my hand out like this to this man, and I said, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I command you to give me back my wallet. Every bit of authority in me rose up. And this seven-foot man, who was not a nice-looking man, he was mean-looking, he stood still, and he did not move. He said, are you calling me Satan? I said, I'm telling you, you're under the influence of Satan, and I'm commanding you to give me back my wallet. And, and his little wife, all of a sudden, I hear this noise, and she has scurried away. And, and my girlfriend is back there in the car, and she's calling the police. And, 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 and I'm thinking, what if they got my girlfriend? And now I told you she had a dress on, and I happened to look back, and her dress is way up over her. <laughs> and she's got a girdle on, and I remember thinking, what are you wearing a girdle for? And this is all coming through my mind. But I have my hand out at this guy. And when I, when I turned, because I was ticked off that his little wife was getting away, my authority didn't hold her there. And so she is running through the parking lot to get in her car. And I think she's going after my girlfriend. So I turned like this, and I moved my hand, and he took off running. And I said to him, you might have my wallet, but I've got Jesus. And I wouldn't want to be you for anything in this world. Now, people all over are calling the police on me. There are lots of police that have been called now because <laughs> they think I'm an absolute lunatic.
I'm starting to wonder the same thing myself. And the insurance company is saying, what is going on there? And, and I'm seeing them jump in their car with my wallet and all kinds of bags that I now paid for. And I am ticked. And I go up over a curb and I follow them. I gun it. Starsky and Hutch is what was really in my mind. And, and so I gun it and we're driving down the road and I'm, my girlfriend is like, Rhea, I have the police on the phone. They want you to pull over. I said, I'm not pulling over until I see a squad car. She said, there are six right behind you, Rhea. Pull the car over. So I pulled the car over. And just as I was, they passed me, zoom, right behind me. And I'm like, I gotta see this. And I pull the car back over. <laughs> and just as I did that, a car came and he did a U-turn right in front of me. Well, remember, I said, Lord, you know right where my wallet's at. And I thank you that I'm going to find it. Well, that car was an off-duty police officer, you know, surprise. And, and he saw them throw my wallet out the window as the police officers were coming after him. He gets over, pulls over, gets the, the wallet out of the, the ditch that he pulled it into, they threw it into. And I get up there, and I'm like pulling in behind these policemen. They finally got him. You know, the last word that man heard me say is, you might have my wallet but I've got Jesus, and I wouldn't want to be you for anything in this world. Can I tell you I got my wallet back? I got every last penny he rung up on the, on, the, on the credit card. I got the $50 bill back. It was in his front pocket. They had been looking for him for six weeks, and they knew it was him because people described him as this really tall man and the little short wife. And he went to jail for doing that. And, and the last words that I said is, I got Jesus, and I wouldn't want to be you for anything in this world. There's authority. I went home to my kids and I said, if you are ever in trouble, you speak the name of Jesus. You speak the name of Jesus because there is power in the name of Jesus. He has given us authority. And we need to start, church, to use that authority that we've been given. He is up, up in you. You know, we're saying, Lord, help us. Rebuke the enemy. And he's saying, no, I've given you power. Use your mouth. Rebuke them. You have the authority. You have the power. Some of you are on your knees begging him to help, and he's saying, I've given you every bit of help I can give you. It's authority, and it's mine. Use it. I love the story of the, the prodigal son. He comes back after he's been slopping in the pig pen, and he goes to his father, and the father says, somebody get the ring. You know what the ring is? It was a signet ring, and, and it was him saying to his son, you have permission to use my name now. You have permission to do business with my name now. You want to just say, how stupid was that father? That, that son had just blown his whole inheritance, and now you're giving him authority to use your name to conduct business. That's what he's done to me. Lord, do you have any idea how much I've squandered my inheritance, how much I've messed up in this world, and you are giving me power to use your name to conduct business? You've heard me say this before. I was undone when, when I read the, the, um, you know, the Ten Commandments where it says, do not take the, the name of the Lord in vain. And I used to think that that was cussing and using his name in vain, and I believe that that's what it is. But, but when you look it up in the original language, it means don't declare my name void of power. And I'll never forget when the Lord showed me that, and, and I heard him say in my spirit, Rhea, the next time you use my name, don't you dare make it void of power. When you put your hands on somebody and you say, in the name of Jesus, I have given you power and authority. I've given you dominion to use my name, to use my name to conduct that business. And don't you dare make it void of power. 
there is power in the name of Jesus. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you that there's power, and I pray, Lord, that you would wing this word home into the hearts and the minds of these men and women. Lord, I pray that it be deposited as truth, and that you would continue to shine your light on this truth throughout the week. And, and Lord, that it would get deep down in them. Lord, that they would be fully persuaded that you're able to do what you say you can do. And you have given us power to do it in your name. And I pray, Lord, that, that we would begin to utilize that power to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the ability of the enemy. Lord, bless each person here tonight. I pray that your word would come alive to them. I pray that as they turn to it this week, that your spirit, who you promise, will be our teacher. You say you don't, you don't have need of a teacher. I'll teach you. I pray that you'd teach them and instruct them in your word, that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened to know the hope to which they're called. And the exceedingly greatness of your power that works within them. It's great. Lord, give us the ability this week to discern between the voice of the enemy and your voice. I pray, Lord, that you teach us to take every thought captive and to throw it down, to throw it down if it's not from you, to not give it any place in our mind. Sharpen our skill to do this, Lord. I pray, Father, that the word that went forth tonight would bring a good harvest, would be seed planted deep within hearts, and it would reap a harvest for your kingdom, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name.